the piece of music you're listening to is called Epic Vista. It's an uplifting, climactic piece with a contemporary feel which fuses orchestral and some cutting-edge electronic sounds. The track is an emulation of typical trailer music for blockbuster film and useful for depictions of battle, epic action and sensational adventure. As a soundtrack, Epic Vista typically gets used for inspirational moments which require a sense of euphoria in podcasts and audio dramas. You're listening to How I Make Music, a weekly show for the musically curious to go behind the scenes of composition for storytelling in a digital era. Every Wednesday, we break apart one of my own compositions and investigate the stories and insights into how it was made and its effect on listening ears. My name is John Bartman. I'm a music composer from South Africa, and this is How I Make Music. Epic Vista, this broad, uh, cinematic-feeling, uh, uplifting piece where the key word for this week's episode is euphoria. We're out to create a sense of euphoria for the listener. The key element in this piece is upward motion. We want to create a sense of euphoria, of building, of climax. The chords throughout this piece are F minor, A flat major, B flat minor, D flat major. So we're in the key of F minor and we're doing minor one, major 3, minor 4, and major 5. Let's hear it again in a higher octave. That is a common chord progression, and it really does create a sense of what's next. Compare that to moving downwards in harmony. It's the exact same four chords played in reverse, and it has the opposite effect. One more time. Another way I've found to create exciting music is to use new sounds, contemporary sounds, like this synth melody line, which I've used throughout the first part of the song. Let's give it a listen. I'll play all three layers for you. It's a composite. And then I'll break it into separate parts and then play all three layers again at the end. Here we go. It's all three layers. That's one on its own. That's the other main one on its own. And there's a soft bell on its own. And now here are all three together. And right at the end there where it gets nice and fuzzy, I've opened up the filter, which has the same effect. It, it's like opening the door to a party. Suddenly you can hear all the high frequencies for the first time. All three of those sounds would be considered contemporary because they haven't been used in classical music. It's not really possible or very easy to create those kinds of uh, synthesized sounds in old-fashioned music, so they're exciting to the listener. So that's tip number two from my side, <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, 
contemporary sounds are more exciting to a listener. You don't get very far in soundtrack music without emulating the current godfather uh, of movie blockbuster scores, Hans Zimmer. You might have heard of him. Learned a cool word from him, which is ostinato. Ostinato just means a repeating passage, and I've used it in the string section for this piece. Here comes a counter melody. At this point in my uh, career, I'm really only getting into orchestral composition. It's a whole art on its own. But what I do find from using the orchestral libraries that I have available to me is that you really have to think in terms of an orchestra. For dance music, you're really thinking in terms of frequency and timing your builds and drops. Um, And for each different type of music, you think of it a different way. And I find for orchestra, you kind of have to picture you know, uh, 12 first violinists, 12 second violinists, um, you know, the woodwind section, the brass section, uh, cellos, violas, double basses. You have to separate these things out in your mind if you want to create an orchestral sound. Let's talk about the arrangement. This piece, Epic Vista, is separated into three parts. There's an intro, there's a sort of a breakdown or an interlude where there's suspense, And then the final part, which is the euphoric, uplifting, climactic movement towards the very end. During the first part of the song, the strings occupy a background role. And in the second second part, they come to the fore like this. There's our second violin part floating over the top of the arpeggios. Towards the end of the song, the arpeggios move up and adding to the climax. There's a lot to be said about those uh, strings and why I decided not to go all the way to the top so I wouldn't clash with the synthesizer and other instruments that were occupying that very top rung. The strings match the piano in this part where they kind of hug the upper mid range just so that not everything is screaming um, at the very top of the composition during the climax. They hold the fort, so to speak. And we'll get back to the piano in a bit. I used brass in this piece to continue with an orchestral sound. Here's how the brass sounds. Trumpet ensemble and French horn ensemble. And we're moving upwards in the scale. to the top and then a big drop off 
and this is your outro, this is your denouement, your calm after the storm has passed. Like the strings, the brass serve a supporting role in the first section of the song and they really come to the fore in the second section of the song for an orchestral climax. For the percussion in this piece, I've used a composite of normal orchestral percussion like kettle drums, but I've also used a Asian sounding gong. Give this a listen. very, uh, what is the word, um, ominous in a way, um, but certainly epic. This is the sound of blockbuster movies, huge drums, a lot of reverb, a lot of tonality in the drums, kettle drums are tuned, um, as well as over-the-top cymbal crashes. So we're going for a contemporary uh, film score sound with this piece. When I look back on this piece now, I look at the decisions I made, and I must have decided that that level of orchestral percussion, even that much, wasn't enough. So I added another uh, sound effect, which is called a cavern kicker, and it sounds like this. That reverberates onwards nicely for a good seven seconds, and the, the effect of that is to really prolong those big crashes. But the trade-off is that you have to use it very sparingly. You can't be putting one of those cavern kickers on every beat in the song, otherwise the low end of your mix is just going to be a complete mess. This is great fun. I'm having real fun doing this episode for some reason, talking about all this orchestral stuff. Um, if you'd like to chime in on the discussion, I remind you to head over to YouTube or follow the show notes and look for How I Make Music podcast. Leave your comments, leave your opinions on episode 45. Uh, I love doing this and I'd love to hear more from the listeners of the show. So go ahead and leave a comment on the show on YouTube. The bass in this piece is very unorchestral. Here it is. It's an electric guitar and a sample bass sound together. I decided not to use double basses from the orchestra. I wanted something a little bit more contemporary sounding. So I went for this uh, almost like a slap bass sound. Um, it's a composite of a few different samples. What I didn't want is bowed uh, bass sounds or what sounds like double bass being plucked, almost like a jazz sound. It needed to be a bit more edgy in line with the contemporary sound I was trying to create, this euphoria. So that was bass, and it really just mirrors the chord progression and provides a little bit of rhythm to the piece. Speaking of euphoria, let's get on to an EDM sound, which was really popular in the 2010s, um, this whole decade that we just exited. And uh, it's the sound of outdoor festivals, and it's the sound of big room DJs, and it's also the sound of, you know, this recent wave of uh, orchestral electronic film score composition. This is the sound that I'm talking about.
So we've got an arpeggiator sound and it's varying between eighth notes, eighth note triplets and sixteenth notes. And believe it or not, it gets even more euphoric now. Can you feel the power? Ending with that super high and fast uh, beat repeat sound, I think it's 32, uh, 30 second notes. So that's an example of how to use an extremely modern sounding instrument in combination with your electronic instruments, sorry, in combination with your orchestral instruments to create this uh, big sound, very epic sound. I mentioned the piano earlier. Let's give that a listen. It's a really humble role in this song. It really just fills out a gap left by the rest of the instruments. The key thing about this piano part is that it doesn't sound like the melody. I haven't made any effort to double the melody or layer it. It's filling the gaps which are being left between the strings, the horns and the synthesizers. It's like throwing little pebbles in between big rocks in a jar because it fills out spaces that are available without taking up the used space. Let's talk about the meter of this song. The song begins in 4-4 and ends in 6-4. So it retains the tempo of 94 BPM while changing the time signature. The whole song is at 94 BPM, but it feels different at the end. Why change the meter at all? Well, in this case, it was to create forward motion. I wanted the beginning of the piece to sound different to the end without changing too much. So here's the first part of the song, which sounds like it's in 4-4. One, two, three, four. And now the piano gives us the sense we've moved to six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And it's different. One, two, three, four, five, six. So after that bridge in the middle, that interlude, we change the meter and the second part of the song suddenly sounds like we're moving. It's almost like the first part of the song has been uh, sitting around at base camp deliberating what to do and then suddenly we're spurred into action by some cause and we decide to get on the road and now we're moving. That's the effect that this change in meter has on the listener. And finally, a note on what can be called the drop. Dance music teaches you to use a drop at the right moment to hit an emotional home run. That's where all the beat and the bass comes back in. In tracks like this, uh, what I call a cliff drop can work better, where instead of everything huge happening at once, the whole track dynamically suddenly dips off. So instead of everything happening, it almost seems like suddenly nothing or very little is happening. 
the sudden vacuum effect can be more breathtaking than a slamming assault of fresh audio. The cliff drop that I'm talking about happens right after the climax. Uh, I'll play it for you, just a few bars of it. Here we go. You know that sound, I'm sure you've heard it in movies a million times. And that's about it for this week's episode. Once again, thank you very much. We will listen to the full track in just a moment. But before we do that, thank you for listening to How I Make Music. Catch new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You can download the track from this episode. In fact, I really want you to. Go ahead and download Epic Vista from the music page on my website, johnbartman.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-R-T-M-A-N-N.com. I encourage you to use it in your own production or podcast. It has been used in a number of inspirational, motivational podcasts already. And who knows how many videos. I don't really keep track of the videos on YouTube that are using my music. Find links to me on Twitter and YouTube in the show notes. I love hearing from you, so search How I Make Music on YouTube and leave your comments on the show. I'm also quite active in the audio drama feeds on Twitter, hashtag audio drama, and the Reddit feed, uh, r slash audio drama so you can find me there I'll link my profiles in the show notes I'd love to have conversations with you about soundtrack music composition and the state of the art for audio drama specifically now without any more blabbing from me here is Epic Vista an euphoric and uplifting climactic uh, Hollywood blockbuster soundtrack in its entirety I'll catch you next week guys keep finishing your stuff big love see you soon <laughs>